Well, hello there and welcome to the Backhanders, bringing you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. Here on the Backhanders podcast, we cover each tennis slam and we are unafraid to slam tennis. And I am your host, Lightning, and with me, a man, a man who would very much like to do just a a wee-wee poo-poo on the very middle of the chat to capture his feelings of the red clay of Roland Garros. Catters, Catters, I'm referring to you. Great to be with you, Lightning, on this mid-tournament update episode. And honestly, Lightning, we had all of the artillery we needed for this very episode before play even started. I was chomping at the bit. I was charging at the gate. Mm. I was donning my best pair of pantaloons for the occasion, (laughs) Lightning, because Naomi Osaka dropped the veritable nabomb on... Uh. The greater world of sport, let's not even limit this to tennis. Lightning, there are some things that transcend tennis. Totally. It's Djokovic Mm, hitting mm, an unsuspecting mm. lines person. It's Naomi Osaka cradling a butterfly from the court that landed on her face. Mm. But Nabom came up with her own earth-shattering claim, and that was about choosing not to do any press during Roland Garros. And... I was like, thank you, comedy gods. This is the perfect occasion. Because as you know, we are even-handed and tempered in our views on the backhanders. And Lightning, I was ready to go the absolute hack and just had prepared months of material. We were going to actually do a <laughs> an unprecedented 10-part series on what Naomi Osaka had given us. And then, two days later, boom, Naomi comes out with the revelation that she is suffering from depression. And as a result of mental health issues, she had to pull out of the tournament. And thus, shining a light on mental health and inadvertently using that light to burn down all of the material (laughs) I had painstakingly prepared over the previous days. I wanted to go on this show and not speak to you for literally 60 minutes. Total silence. Just (laughs) as some sort of art performance slash gag that really is not worth it in light of that revelation. But can I? No. Because when you play the depression card, there is no comeback. You cannot make light of it. I've dealt with my own mental health issues. I know plenty of people that have dealt with mental health issues. It is nothing to laugh about. And as a result of that, on a very selfish note, Lightning, I'm just not going to be funny this episode. And (laughs) it sucks. Uh, Kat, I I hear your pain, and there's a part of me that... It's pretty keen to hear some of the material that you'd prepared. It's not often we have a, a documentary series in the wings. Uh, it's not often we can fill a whole episode of material. So I feel your pain, Cutters. You know, I'm sure you had some absolute rippers in the gun, in the holster. And, I mean, do we get a bit of a sneak peek? Is there anything you can... Lightning, a young and inexperienced Cutters... <laughs> reference episodes 1 to 22 on the backhanders, would have taken this bait. But I'm not lightning. As the court jester, I'm not going to just wheel out this huge bevy of gags. No, but I'm not going to go there, lightning. I was going to 
maybe talk a little bit about how I love the baller move from Osaka, the idea that she can just, as a 50 million plus paid sports person annually, she can just rock up and be literally throwing wads of cash across the courts, walking past a press conference and (laughs) and literally just throwing a fistful of francs in the face of the chump reporters and saying that ought to cover it and then doubling down (laughs) next time by saying, you know what, I'll cop the fine and I'll decide who this fine goes to and just picking the most niche charity in the world. Like, oh, I'll pay the 25,000 euros, but that's going towards Greenlandic whaling funds. And... (laughs) That is not the protection of the whales. That is to improve their equipment because for too long off the coast of northern Greenland, they've been struggling and I think we can improve the harpooning techniques. And so for the next three to four rounds, I am just going to bankroll those Inuits so that they have laser-like precision when taking out an endangered species. I mean, I've heard she's already eyeing off the pandas for Wimbledon. This could have gotten really interesting, Lightning. (laughs) But I won't go there, Lightning, because depression is a very serious thing. Totally. And I'm so glad you didn't. We're all better for it. But Cutters, you've said it very well. And that is, we are genuinely saddened to hear that the issues aren't token, that Osaka's having genuine off-court struggles. And for that, we sympathize and we feel for an incredible sportswoman and her courageous vulnerability to name her struggles, yes. to come out and, and put out there before us the challenge of mental health and the awareness that raises. But of course, we, we feel for it. We hope to see her back. Fingers crossed that Wimbledon is the next time we'll see her very, very soon. But of course, she needs the time that she needs to do what she needs to do. So there's no light made of the, the challenges she has. So until we meet again, Naomi. So we are here at the Midway review of the French Open. And Catters, it is exactly as the backhanders predicted. The big three have had the week off. They've just rocked up at the middle week, having played three practice matches each. At absolutely dominating, Schwantek has barely lost a serve. She is spanking everyone over the court. Catters, what have you made of week one French Open? Lightning, I feel like Marty McFly in Back to the Future 2, and this is a slightly more (laughs) up-to-date reference than your Superman 4, but only slightly. (laughs) And that is that I have gone forward in time and bought the sports almanac. I know that Rafa is about to win his 14th French Open. I have bet my entire Copenhagen apartment on this happening. I know that Schwantek is embarking on a two-decade reign on clay. I do not need to see any of this. I'm not even checking the results. I've taken to other sports. I've started other podcasts. We need to discuss that later. Things are happening over here, Lightning. So I'm not... Entirely interested in what's going on. And Catters, I think the French Open agrees with you. They took the unprecedented step this week of bringing forward an announcement they were going to make surely post-tournament to unveil a statue of none other than Rafael Nadal. (laughs) Of course, a champion on clay. He's won 13 of them, but he's still playing at the (laughs) freaking tournament. And yet they have unveiled 
a three meter tall, five meter wide, and two meter deep steel statue of Nadal playing his signature forehand. Catters, what do you make of the fact that they have put up a massive monument that each player must walk through en route to playing the bloke in the very Colosseum they are entering. Well, (laughs) it is unprecedented lightning. I understood that statues were reserved for dictators and racists. So the fact that he's beaten (laughs) Tennis Sengren to the punch is (laughs) disappointing for the tennis community as a whole. You mentioned the statue goes two meters deep. I believe if you actually dig down there, you can see a life-size Richard Gasquet directly (laughs) under his foot, which is a real payoff for those tennis archaeologists out there. It's a niche group, but um, (laughs) happy digging. But anything that adds to the spectacle, the showmanship of this tournament and breathes life into it, I'm all for lightning. So I think really? okay. fantastic. Usually they go for the bust. They go shoulders and up. Yeah. But in this case, they went life-size, which actually meant they were able to wheel it on and use it for the first three rounds, uh, which mm. still yielded straight sets victories to Rafa. <laughs> so he could just put his feet up on Mallorca and enjoy a few extra days off, which I think is totally deserved. When you've reached double figures of a tournament, it's statue status. The question is, where do you go from here? You know, Mm. he's going to win 20 of these things. So do you wheel out bigger statues? Do they multiply? What happens here, Lightning? It's unprecedented. Well, I think they just have to keep going the statue route, but actually replacing each lines person with a statue of Nadal (laughs) so that the centre court is filled with Nadal staring you down at every inch of the chat. That is a brilliant brilliant idea the intimidation factor but i don't think that's enough i think they didn't go big enough they weren't visionary and that's been a criticism of the french that i've had for many a decade and i think that they should have a giant raff ahead where to get onto the chat the center court you have to walk through the mouth of raffa and <laughs> and inside that head is just placed all the silverware that he's won in the past. So, you know, it is his domain. I mean, as you walk out onto court, you've walked through his body and then you have to squeeze through the wedgie that there's a a few fingers that you kind of have to roll between that are plucking that wedge, which is just a a wonderful lasting tribute to the great man. To then get out onto the chat. That's exactly how to go. Cutters, we would usually now head straight into segment number one on this podcast, and that would be the come on segment. But alas, we have created a new segment, a new segment called the High Horse Roundup in our last episode, Cutters. We not only predicted the winners and dark horses, but those who would jump on their high horse and leave this tournament as they should in a protest of sorts, keen to to get away from Roland Garros as quickly as possible. And they therefore become our high horses. So Catters, welcome to a new segment and welcome to you, the high horse wrangler. Tell us, how's this going to roll? Well, Lightning, uh, I'm happy to report that the French authorities have reached out to me during the week. Mm. Big fans of the show, no surprise. I wish I could (laughs) say that it was mutual. (laughs) But they have a sneaking suspicion, uh, a hunch, or le hunch, as they phrased it in their Skype meeting with me. (laughs) Skype, yes, it took place 12 years ago, and uh, I'm back in the future now, (laughs) Lightning. And I'm happy to report that they have... I believe they saw your MySpace page, Cutters, and got in touch. (laughs) 
they too are big fans of my chemical romance, but I digress, Lightning. Um, we have agreed that there is a problem at the moment, and that is that a lot of players are disrespecting this tournament. And I agreed to sign up as what they refer to as Le Rancher, which is the ranger. I am the sheriff in town, Lightning. You see this giant piece of straw in my mouth? I'd been wondering. That, that cost our podcast a lot of the revenue that we can ill afford to give up, my friend, from the local oh, country and western novelty shop. Uh, to be honest, buying those leather pants and ornately detailed cowboy boots was probably unnecessary <laughs> given that you're only seeing me from the waist up, but I'm all in lightning. I am all in on this concept. And my responsibility is to get these stray bush pigs in line. <laughs> Cutters, I am very excited to see how this rolls. I'm going to throw you the first high horse, Grigor Dimitrov. Lightning, when it comes to unreached potential, this man deserves the world's biggest statue. And of course, that statue would be unfinished. It would include the base and maybe one foot as a reference to how far he actually came in his career versus potential. Look, we know, Grigor, that you've been disinterested for a long period of time. You showed up to the Australian Open in your freaking pyjamas. But we were happy to roll with that. But I tell you, you stray mountain goat, I am coming after you. Because in round one, you were dominating. You clearly didn't want to be there. You were up two sets to love, 5-1. And you had your opponent love 40 on his serve. You literally... <laughs> literally could have entered a coma and still won a match point. Instead, you pull out. Did you suddenly have an epiphany that, oh, if I win the next point, I'm going to have to stay in France for longer? Mate, I totally get where you're coming from. But you are A1 numero uno high horse. <laughs> oh, well said, Catters. And of course, a slight note that he withdrew with a back injury. Uh, but, but alas, <laughs> I, I digress. Catters... Petra Kvitova. Petra Kvitova, we have been with you from the start. I saw you training as a four or five-year-old. That's kind of creepy, but, but I managed to give you your space and let you grow up, go on tour, to which I resumed my fandom of you. And we have been with you every step of the way through stabbings, through the highs, through the lows. And I tell you what. The gall, the nerve that you have, winning your opening round match, teasing us yeah. with that potential. Then going to a press conference, mind you, after Naomi Osaka had warned you of the dangers, the perils of said press conference. You go into that press conference, you manage to injure yourself in a press conference, which has to be a new record. And then you pull out of the French Open because you allegedly rolled your ankle walking away from a television interview. That is new <laughs> levels of I'm a tennis celebrity, get me out of la here. So for that, I give you another high horse status. Oh, classic. Pretty harsh. I mean, I think the TV producers just said break a leg as she was walking <laughs> off. 
just think she's a compliant woman. But catters, catters, alas, the third high horse, Ashley Barty. Bash Artie, you have two hips. Come on. <laughs> Women were designed by the good Lord upstairs with childbearing hips. And if those said hips cannot handle more than 60 minutes on the devil's dirt, then there is a massive malfunction in the manufacturing of your body. Oh, no, wait a second. It could be that, or it could be the fact that your body has been in chill mode for 18 months while you sunk beers and rode Razorback pigs in Bushland, North Queensland, whilst COVID was running rampant through the Northern Hemisphere. But you got on your bike, you came back to defend your championship, and I think the Kiwis would say it best, you're a defending chomp, my friend. You are too good for the French Open, and for that, you are yet another stray high horse. Oh, Catters, let's keep him coming. There's another horse that's wandering a little bit off the beaten track, Taylor Fritz, who was in an almighty battle in his round two clash. Taylor Fritz, amazing name, amazingly disappointing tennis player. America, you peaked geopolitically in maybe 1950. You peaked geotennisly in about 1975. And the rest has been downhill. And I tell you what, Taylor Fritz is emblematic of that lightning. He shows up to the French. He's jovial at the buffet. He's enjoying smashing his fritzy face with a few local pastry treats. Storms his way into the second round. Is in a beautiful position. And then... his knee is on the fritz. You couldn't have written the script any better. You're welcome, every subby in print news journalism around the world, because there's your headline. What a plonker. Manages to say, you know what? Like everyone else who is a professional tennis player, I ain't walking off the devil's dirt. No, no, no. I'm going to feign an injury, and I'm going to call for a wheelchair, and I'm going to have said wheelchair towed by compatriot Dennis Sengren's giant monster truck as we try and carve as many divots into this godforsaken surface on my way out of this country and continent. <laughs> well, that's, it is relatively close to what actually happened, Cutters. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. A tiny little bit more detail for those playing along at home. Cutters, it was in Taylor Fritz's game in the final point of the match that he Tore his meniscus. So, you know, meniscus, I I think, was his second-round opponent, actually, uh, the (laughs) Slovakian baseliner. So, tore through him, I believe. Um, So, yes, and you're right. Went from playing out the final point to needing to be wheelchaired off the devil's dirt. A very fair high horse. Cutters, there's a lot of players we've had in the gun, but I think we need to think more broadly. Surely Canada are a high horse. Yes, Lightning. I'm glad you mentioned it. The nation of Canada. Oh, Canada. The nation that has been trying to run their own underground rip-off version of France for a long time. And we ain't buying it. Canada, you have to show up if you want to claim success at the City of Love. And you haven't even bothered to do that. Popsicle. Or Popsicle. Or Pospicle. Or Brianich, Shapovalov. Impossible. <laughs> Lightning, did I designate you vice sheriff? I don't think so. So shut the f*** up. Because 
Leave the wrangling to the professionals, Lightning. <laughs> Impossible. Ryanich, Shapovalov. All warlords that I would have given a statue well ahead of Rafa Nadal. <laughs> but these chump players... Oh, I'll throw Andrescu into the mix. I'll throw in uh, part-time magician Orjay Aliassim. None of them could be bothered. Well, first of all, that first group couldn't even bother showing up. The other ones showed up and just completely crapped the bed. So I am... Just wait, let me just, I'm just reaching down to my hip flask and I am drizzling out some maple syrup to attract these stray Canuck high horses. Come over here. Oh, I can see you out and about. Catters, <laughs> uh, some people have gone to more sophisticated ways of getting out of the tournament. We had our first positive cases of the coronavirus. Two of the top seeds in the doubles were removed from the tournament. It's dubious timing, isn't it, Lightning, that Mm. tennis has been impenetrable as a sport through the last 18 months, and suddenly there's a COVID outbreak during the French Open. Mm. How convenient. Mm. And Lightning, it is two Croatian players, Mata Pavic and Nikola Metkic, and I can only presume that they have been struck down by the Djokovic strain of COVID. By having itch in their last name, they are immediately deemed... (laughs) to have been dancing flirtatiously in a sweaty club around Belgrade, and they have been withdrawn. And both found they came up with a devastating itch. I, believe. <laughs> I find that impopsical, Lightning. <laughs> so to the Balkans, I say... <laughs> Roll hide, itch. <laughs> Oh, whilst you're going, Cutters, I was watching the draw and just seeing Frenchman after Frenchman getting knocked out. I saw Songer and Pear and Umber and Poulet and Mute and Simon and Shardy and Herbe and Gasson. I counted 15 in round one. What's the go with these Frenchies, Cutters? I mean, that's more Frenchies than I saw at your high school graduation, Cutters. <laughs> Lightning, French men have been stealing our girlfriends for long enough. (laughs) They can quit stealing valid positions for tennis players who can swing a racket in a Grand Slam draw. And I tell you, there needs to be repercussions, Lightning. Yes. If the French can't turn it on in their own backyard, Mm. then we need to give this tournament to somewhere else where they maybe have a slightly different surface, but I'm open-minded when it comes to that. And I know Lightning, they have advantages. When you play a home Grand Slam, you get an allocation of spots for local up-and-coming prospects. But these are not that, Lightning. These are retirees (laughs) who should be sent out to greener pastures. In fact, I'll do it right now. Wait, let me just line them up. I got them in the crosshairs. These high horses, I'm not even bothering to recapture Lightning. Cutter's great segment. Loving what you're doing. Loving the chaps. And that hat looks extraordinary on you. Uh, (laughs) Keep your receipts. But Cutter's Federer, Roger Federer, none of us expected him to win matches. He's through to the second week of the French Open. He's questioning whether he's going to keep playing. What do you make of Roger Federer? 
Lightning, I know I've been a little bit critical. I've been stretching the reach of the lasso, if you were to also stretch the metaphor further than it ever, ever should have been bent out of shape. And to that, I say, Taylor Fritz, I'm sorry. I hope you can walk again. Call me. But Roger Federer, this is the greatest troll against the least greatest Grand Slam. And you have got the world's best player possibly of all time, the classiest individual. He is essentially playing in his own backyard. He can commute from Switzerland. And he decides after three solid victories at Roland Garros, he floated in his post-match press conference. This has been a good warm-up for grass. I got what I wanted out of this tournament. I think I'm just going to pack my bags and move on. Like Mary f***ing Poppins. I tell you what, mate. I think the French open tournament director would be thrilled to hear of his beloved baby being seen as nothing more than a mere stepping stone to grass while Roger just skips off into the sunset to go fly a kite on his way to grass. I can't believe it. He is the new Mary Popsicle. <laughs> Kat is loving this segment, loving where it's gone. Some breaking news, and surely this is high horse territory. On Friday, a Russian tennis player, Yana Sivikova, was arrested over suspected match fixing of a doubles match. And Kat is not from this French Open, from the previous French Open, and they went to arrest her during this French Open. Is this not a classic high horse? Absolutely lightning. I mean, returning to the scene of the crime, just for the possibility that Interpol will rock up and mercifully remove you from the French Open <laughs> is a baller move. And full respect to this unknown Russian chump for making that sort of effort. I am a little bit conflicted here, lightning, because whilst I don't condone match fixing... Anything that will spice up doubles and bring attention to the sport is a good initiative from my perspective. <laughs> so I feel we need to be careful before judging Sizikova. Mm -hmm. And I think, Lightning, to be honest, the best part of this whole story is that when Interpol showed up and tried to arrest her, the French Open authorities tried to protect her and stop the arrest from taking place. And yes. that only tells me <laughs> that they are very aware that they are hemorrhaging high horses. The gate has been left open overnight. The Broncos are out. I'll give you the racket and we'll no, see, how many no. times, see how many times you can return yourself also. No, but you're, you're a professional tennis player. I'm not. Okay. Catters. It's midway through the French Open, which means the fed up and the poo down segment becomes important. A chance to look back on the tournament so far and see who are becoming before our eyes rising up and those who are failing to deliver on the talent front and unlikely to ever be enshrined in steel at the front of the big chat. So, Catters, for this tournament, who is your fed up and who is your poo down? Lightning, my fed up is a man that we would never, ever have guessed would be claiming this mantle seven days ago. And that is the Medvedevil himself, Daniil Medvedev. Wow. Mm. Utterly incredible about face from this man. From this oh. man who trashed the dirt verbally, <laughs> physically, 
spiritually, I think I saw him undertaking in a seance outside one of the back courts. The guy has been taking the mickey out of both the surface and the tournament in the whole lead up. And what does he do? He comes out onto court and he smashes through his opening three (laughs) rounds. He has looked invincible on clay. And I tell you what, we laugh a little bit about the Russian connections to spot fixing, but could it be that he has been stacking (laughs) the odds against him? And is there a term for reverse tanking? He and his manager have no doubt put a little wager on themselves because as the second seed what was his odds going into this tournament 139 <laughs> to 1 talk about talking yourself down and suddenly suddenly he's learnt to play the sport of tennis again and so just a brilliant reverse 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 psyche going on there he's completely blown my little mind and for that I think he's a fed up absolutely I haven't seen a bluff this big since the one Agassi used to wear on his head. I mean, this is extraordinary. <laughs> well, who then is your, is your poo down? Kai Nishikori. He's a man who I've wanted to love for a long time. I just think he's got a cool name. I think he comes from a cool country. Uh, I care not to delve any deeper than that into his form or into how he plays i i don't really know much more about him to be honest lightning other than the fact that no one has explained to him that you can actually win a match in three sets because it's best of five sets does not mean it's five sets someone explained the freaking rules to this guy he's been on tour long enough to understand he does not need it to go the distance every single time no matter what position Nishikori's in, if he's two sets to love up, it'll go the distance. If he's two sets to love down, it'll go the distance. The guy yeah. cannot find a way to end a match earlier. And for the very reason that we've discussed before, I do not want this tournament to go one minute longer than it absolutely <laughs> most necessarily has to. So please, Kay, just take a leaf out of anyone else's book. Take a leaf out of a Russian book and tank. I don't care. I really, no one's going to notice you missing for 12 months if you get sent to a gulag. And I mean that with all respect. <laughs> Katazi's five set record is now 26 wins, seven losses. He is the highest percentage winner in five set matches with 78.7%. Better than Djokovic, better than the second placed Tommy Robredo, <laughs> Tommy. who he's robbed of. Being enshrined anywhere on some kind of honour board. Did he win the most five setters or was it, maybe it was five seater couches or something. I don't know how (laughs) Robredo's played enough tennis to get on that list. Is he just going after a very, very niche accolade? Like he knows that he can never break the top four. He knows that he's unlikely to win a slam. And what does that statue look like, Lightning, as the five-setter champ? Is it Kataze, his Russian coach, with an overflowing violin case (laughs) after he was leading two sets to love and somehow find a way to push it to five mysteriously? Lightning, what's your fed up? Well, it's a terrific question, Kataz, considering we're in the fed up and poo down segment. So... Uh, Kat, as my fed up is an obvious one. It's everyone's favourite 22-year-old Spanish professional tennis player, and that is Alejandro Davidovich Fakina, <laughs> who is yes. a uh, big fan of the podcast. Yes. He has a, uh, a long name, you might notice. So let's hope 
for the French Open sake that he doesn't win the thing. Because we all know the history the inscribers of the trophy have, and there is no <laughs> chance they are either fitting it on or spelling it correctly. So let us cross those fingers. Katas, this man has now a new singles ranking of 45 in the world. He took out Kasper Rudd. In, uh, he offered him a Rudd Awakening, which was a fantastic five-set marathon. Katas, it's one of the, the matches of the tournament for me. I watched it all. And this guy is a guy who has now got my respect. In an epic five-set battle, deep in the fifth set, five all down a break point in the fifth set. And you know what he did? He gave him the underarm serve. Yes. Unbelievable. The balls of the bloke. This bloke had five match points, five sitters, about three volleys there for the taking that he just needed to make connection with, shanked Every single one of them. I was loving him. He had zero preparedness to mask the challenges he was going through. Most players would want to try and look together and under their breath go, you flippin' dunce. And yet this bloke, he just hung it all out there. He's wringing his hair. He's on his knees, begging at the skies. It was fantastic to watch. He eventually got over the line. And Cutters, he's moving through the tournament. So this is a man who I just find fascinating. Russian father, Swedish mother, has this fantastic combination. Cutters, another interesting fact is his lifelong love for animals has meant that he's created a pet shelter in Spain for abandoned or mistreated animals. Mm. I mean, this is a bloke with heart. Mm. And after he announced the start of this shelter, Nadal was willing to to donate Richard Gasquet, his little pet, to be able to go to the shelter. So I thought that was fantastic. And Cutters, for me, my poo down was Dominic Team. Mm. Dominic Team, how dare you? How <laughs> dare you? I predicted you to win the tournament. And yes, plucking a former US Open winner, it was bankable. Dominic Team, you are the number three player in the world. And yes, Dominic, it was a chump gag. Yes, it was a spare of the moment decision. And yes, I was surprised Catters had not edited it out, but I went with it. I put it on the airwaves. I, I documented for all times that I tipped you to win the tournament. And what did you go and do? You flopped. You felt the weight of a lightning prediction and you flopped. So don't come back to me hoping that I reference you on what is fast becoming a seldomly listened to podcast with very little clout because the answer is very, very likely to be, hmm, yeah, let's talk. But Dominic, don't do it again. Cutters, he is my poo down. I totally agree, Lightning. And I think whilst it's understandable that you would have a slight dip in form following the US Open victory. Let's face it, complacency sets in once you've mounted the peak that is Sasha Zverev. And we've all been there. When I mounted old Sasha back in 2012, I I didn't recover for quite a while. I mean, Barty thinks she had a hip injury. I was walking with a limp for some years. For me personally, how I deal with it was that I know every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what you say or what you write, you'll never light a candle to me. But each person deals with it differently. Well, Cutters, it's time to round up this episode, to pull out your whip and lasso them in for the final prediction check-in. Cutters, midway through the tournament, 
I'd love to see how we're faring. Let's start with the men. In this tournament, Novak Djokovic, Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal were all placed in the same half of the draw. That is the first time that has happened since Poncho Gonzalez was himself entered in the same half of the draw three times. <laughs> but Cutters, how is your prediction on the men's side looking? Well, Lightning, as I mentioned, thanks to my flux capacitator, I was able to predict <laughs> Rafa Nadal and that Biff would be the United States president in 2016. So I'm doing well on both fronts. As for the women... Bash Artie, she's gone. And yeah. my dark horse for the women was Sabalenka, which again proves the theory that when it comes to women, Le Catters knows Le Zero. <laughs> but fortunately, on the men's side of the dark horse, Yannick Sinner, winner, winner, chicken Sinner. <laughs> and what about you, Lightning? Yeah, look, I, tiny bit of a mixed bag, Cat, as I. I predicted Dominic team. please refer to earlier You mentioned that, yes, podcast. yes. So let's not speak about the men's side. The women's side, Kat, is Schwantek. I mean, this mm. young Polish woman, her stocks are rising, both in terms of her tennis creds, but also the stocks of the material, which I'm choosing to invest in, with hopefully some of the winnings I'll get from the money I've put on my dark horse, Daniil the Medvedevil Medvedev. Oh. So I've actually uh, pre-purchased some new car cutters with some of the backhanders loose change that I just threw on those tasty odds at 139 to 1. So cutters, my prediction of dark horse is actually looking better than my main contender for the title. But I also had Coco Goff as a dark mm. horse and she is looking fantastic. So a 17-year-old who's no longer making up the numbers. She's on the rise. And don't be surprised if we see her and Schwantek getting deep in this tournament. So, Cutters, we're not doing too bad. Well, Lightning, you'll be happy to know that I chose to invest some of the backhanders funds into Coco, used to make chocolate commonly, and into Everlasting Golf Stoppers, which will be making a comeback in the coming months. <laughs> So lucrative times for us await. The men's is going to be, turn it off. We know what's going to happen. <laughs> We've seen it all. And yet the women's is fascinating. Seeds one, two, and three, and four are all out. As is Svitolina and Sabalenka and Andrescu. Let us park that and see what happens in week two of the tournament. But Kat, as we also predicted high horses how are you faring in the horse department? I went big and I went for nine. And I think... Is it correct that we've already hit double figures? Yeah, I'm hitting eight. And look, if you throw in 22 Frenchmen and the nation of Canada, we probably get slightly <laughs> more than that. And I predicted seven, so I'm already out of the race. But alas, it's time to leave you for the second half of the awaiting French Open. We'll join you again to review all the action from 2021 Roland Garros. But in the meantime, we would love you to do us a favor, and that is to review and share the podcast with friends far and wide. Think about those who would enjoy jumping on the backhanders. Another way you can do that is to jump on Instagram and look for the backhanders. And of course, also on Facebook. And please, listeners, do us a favor and adopt a Gasquet. But remember, it's a pet for life. And friends, know that if you are whaling off the coast of Greenland, We'll just remember to be quiet, please.